Right on writers and welcome first time viewers to the Books by Adrian Author platform. This is Typewriters Podcast. Today we'll be chatting with Robert Jones. At the time of recording, we've just wrapped up Live Dream Sunday for the week. And uh, if you missed it, watch the replay. It's linked here in the uh, uh, downstairs uh, section for the YouTube audience. And in the show notes, if you're listening to the audio only um, podcast. For those of you listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, make sure that, well, first of all, thank you very much for supporting the show. Subscribe to the podcast on those platforms. Leave us a five-star review. That really, really helps bump the podcast up. Any and all help in that arena is greatly appreciated. YouTube folks, likewise, subscribe, hit the bell. It's the right thing to do, so just do it. And leave us a comment downstairs regarding your favorite comic book storyline or comic book movie storyline. Uh, wow us with your comment, and uh, you might be chosen for the comments of the week. Okay, now let's welcome our guest back into the room. Let's welcome back Mr. Robert Jones. Robert? Oh, sorry. That was me. Hi, Robert. <laughs> hey, Adrian. <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> How are you? Good. So um, we just wrapped up live stream Sunday. Um I, I thought it went rather well. Uh, what nice. did you think? Let's How did it go for you? Yes. Yeah, it went well. It was fun. I, I I like that one. It's it's a nice quick hour. Um, I I know that that we don't always get into like the the deep deep interview places that you could go with like a two hour stream, but I like to keep it kind of short and, and, and eventful and make people have you know a reason to like show up and enjoy it like in the moment. You know what I mean? Like it's I can't a, disagree. A little blip, you know, and then it's gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they have this where they can get maybe a little, little, little more extra. from the answers, a little yeah. different. A little, a little extra. Uh, yeah, I like to think of it as almost like the green room, you know, after the show, you're backstage and like you, you turn on a little recorder and you're like, hey, man, so how did it go for you? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the Typewriters Podcast. Uh, this used to be the Books by Adrian Podcast, and it's kind of going through a little metamorphosis for this uh, new season of Livestream Sunday. So uh, I just didn't want anybody to be confused. It's the same podcast. It's on the same uh, you know, um, feed and everything. So you're, you're not in the wrong place. It's, it's the same thing. <laughs> um, Robert, uh, what else from, from comic books besides the sequential storytelling um do you find yourself like kind of turning back to when it comes to to writing not necessarily you know i know that for example for me comic book characters are you know these kind of larger than life very colorful and in some cases even godlike beings right and it's always interesting to me when you pluck one of those out and just put them in like a totally ordinary world where they're the only special thing and and what does that do for the story i like playing with that kind of stuff and that comes from comic books i i i think for 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 me so what about you is there something that uh that affects your your writing like that from from comic books it was definitely the characters um their personalities their quirks their flaws i think back especially well dc still does it and marvel still has a little bit of a difference in that the dc characters will be more in the adventure but not always as much personality or problems or social life but back in the day we basically had the identity like clark kent he was working his job but he didn't really have a life he was there just as a 
a disguise for Superman, who was the main attraction. Then you right. go over to Marvel, and Spider-Man had this whole life as Peter Parker that he was kind of sacrificing every time you put on that mask, and he had real-life problems with school and dating, and it was like, wow, this this is real. This yeah. takes it to a different level. So yeah. uh, the characters are the thing that I remember being influenced by the most. It's It's interesting to me when it comes to Superman because, you know, so many people talk about whether... Obviously, Clark Kent is sort of more the the mask when he's in Metropolis. He's he's wearing that so people don't suspect that he's Superman. I always found it interesting that he felt felt the need to do that at all, when he just be Superman all the time. And I mean, he he can hear every cry on the planet already. He doesn't need to be in a in a newsroom to to find out what's going on. Like he can hear it. Like I always found it interesting that he felt the need to play human. Nobody was making him do that. We all need a situation and he was raised as a human. So I think he'd be very lonely just sitting in his fortress of solitude and then mm. putting on the costume and flying down to rescue everybody. He wanted some kind of an existence, but they didn't really fully give it to him early on. And are they still fully giving it to him? Mm, they're, they're trying so many different things that it's like throwing darts at a board and saying, here's the extreme thing we can do to Superman. Let's have him be abused and let's have this happen to him. And all they really have to do is look at the character that they've created. I think Superman has a lot of flaws. I think Lois Lane plays into that because she always needs a rescue is a very strong woman. And he flies in there and rescues her. I think they're caught up in this whole um, scenario where they... <laughs> they have some real emotional issues and playing on that I think would be a more interesting thing than anything else they could do with the character that's such a brilliant read the whole idea that he uh, he didn't really get a normal life before so now he's kind of trying to make one for himself uh, you know I, I, I was looking at it wrong yeah nobody's making him do it he wants to It's it's he longs for it he longs for that connection I think it's very human or Kryptonian to want to find um, the perfect group and the perfect group doesn't exist. And what he found with Lois is this dichotomy of a very similar psychosis that they both play into. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, some of the best uh, live action Superman stuff that I've seen recently is, is in the first couple episodes of that Lois uh, or Superman and Lois Lane show that that uh, came out recently. Uh, I don't know if it if it holds up further on down, but I, I watched the first like three or four episodes, and it's it's pretty solid. Some solid like Superman as a dad and a husband kind of stuff that I hadn't really seen before in movies or anything like that. It was, it was, it was refreshing. It does take him to a different level because he has those kids questioning him. It's just not Lois who needs a rescue. It's them saying, "Come on, Dad, get also, real," and, and it's, it's not just him off of the pedestal. It's not just that they're questioning him for me. Is it's the the idea that um, when I became a father, my life changed forever. I I, I changed as a person forever. I, I there there's a before and an after from that point. It's very different. And so in my mind, the same is for him. He became a father. Now mm -hmm. everything is different for Superman. Like that's a whole new like dimension to him. That I I I know that they they've been doing that recently in the comics he has a, a a kid now in the comics but uh i'm not caught up on those yet so i i hadn't actually experienced that before until those first few episodes of that show it was good for me yeah i think it was a step in the right direction 
it's what I loved about Spider-Man uh, is that he he grew up with his audience, you know, like like the like Harry Potter grew up with his audience. The, the Spider-Man grows up and becomes goes from a high school uh, student in some eras of, of comics to a college student to a married man with with kids uh, eventually in, in other eras of the comics. I, I I love that they allow him to develop through so many eras. It, it always frustrates me when they want to go back, but I. I, like I get it. It, it. It's all just jumping around anyway. <laughs> the problem I foresee with that is the same problem that TV had or any ongoing series is once you get them married and they have kids, then they're not as strong or available for other stories. That family becomes the thing. Yeah. And I predict that once they run their gambit, they will grow those kids up really fast and have them form an identity and Either they'll taper off into another area on their own or just vanish completely and they'll re-up things again. I would imagine that at least what I would do, especially when it comes to Spider-Man, a character who typically has more than one title ongoing at a time. Um, I would have one title where it's it's Spider-Man and family and it's it's Spider-Man, but it's the Fantastic Four. It's it's the Spider-Man Fantastic Four. You know what I mean? They're mm -hmm. they're a family of superheroes out on adventures. You give you give uh, uh, Mary Jane some kind of serum or something and give her a power and, and you're off. But uh, in the other books, he's still Spidey soloing up his adventures and stuff. As long as you always have like that. It's the same thing that they do with Batman, where he has this huge family that they can incorporate in any combination that they want at any time, but they can also just choose in an issue. This is just a solo Batman story and we're just going to pretend there's nobody else around. And it's just Batman on a solo story. They, they do, do. All the time. they do that. But you know what separates the Fantastic Four from the other characters is they started out as that friendship and that family. Yeah, there was nothing before that. So there's that's nothing true. else to compare it to. Ooh. Everybody else has their adventures before and then there's the adventures after. So we're when doomed with Spidey. Anytime yeah. he has a family, it's just not going to work out. <laughs> when, when you make change to a character, the audience rarely follows along with those changes. Some will and some won't because how many years has Spider-Man been on his own? I and mean, have... but that's the thing is, is I, I always look at how many changes the character has gone through already. And I figure, well, you know, like, what's the harm in, in more? Like, he's just going to keep changing and running back anyway. So then, like, why not? Why, why not try these these other stories that more niche audiences would like? And, and maybe just, you know, suck it up that they're not going to sell as good, but, but people are going to enjoy them, the ones who are looking out for them. I don't know. I would like them. I would. Well, like I, think them. I always like those weird Spider-Man stories that take place in weird parts of his life, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the whole Mary Jane thing being a logical step, but then they played it off like, you know, Mary Jane is doing her little job or sometimes she's in danger yeah. or he has to kiss her goodbye before he goes out on his uh, adventures and is she going to worry about him? Before it was like, should I choose Gwen Stacy? Should I choose Mary Jane? There was that dichotomy there was, going on. There was on. conflict. There was a conflict. Yeah. And where you remove the conflict, then you're lessening the, the struggles that the character can have. And when there's no struggles, then it just becomes, again, Superman putting on the costume, fighting the yeah. bad guy. And, you know. See, one of the interesting things that I think I learned from uh, Robert Kirkman's Invincible is, is kind of what you're talking about because the uh, romance, the long running romance between Invincible and Adam Eve 
is is a huge part of the story but from the start she has her own powers from the start she has her own story going mm-hmm. on and even once they they become a couple she still has her enemies out there she still has storylines that are going to affect her so she's not reliant on him to be interesting the way that mary jane is reliant on peter parker to be interesting they're also both superheroes and they did have their own separate existences and villains and that was there in place from the start it wasn't a change that they graduated to like uh invincible had a girlfriend and suddenly she got superpowers and they had to deal with all that you know it's true it's true it's true it's such a it's such a like a uh edge of the knife you know kind of uh thing that we skirt when we're when we're writing these stories we're like just just one step in the wrong direction all of a sudden your whole story falls apart it's so weird the way that happens you build an audience through all of the things that you've done with it up to that point and i think the a large part of going wrong with that is you need to sit down and figure out how the conflict is still going to be exacerbated once they cut off that thing between him and dating Mary Jane or Gwen and all that stuff that goes down and uh, what's the next level not so much you're settling him up but this is the next level of his existence and you're actually bringing more danger into his life because now with a family he's more exposed every run has its ups and downs but what are some of your favorite like Spider-Man runs uh um, my favorite, of course, John Romita Jr. is hard to beat. I love John Romita Jr. I love his Spider-Man. With uh, he was on the on the book when I became a Spider-Man reader, so he's my Spider-Man artist. The way that Ditko is many people's Spider-Man artist. Like when I think of Spider-Man, I think of his Spider-Man. And he's part of a tradition because his father was a very popular Spider-Man artist. Yeah, yeah. When course. I yeah, when I first, first yeah yeah when I first started going down to Marvel, he was running um, this little program called the Ramita Raiders, where they would hire people at an hourly rate and bring them into like the bullpen. They offered me that job, and I actually turned it down. <laughs> I didn't want to go back and forth to the city, and I wanted to actually get my own comic book and not be part of a bullpen and running errands. And oh, uh, man, but John Ramita though. Oh, that would have been awesome to, to, to see your work, with, your work with him. That would have been really cool. I talked to him and he gave me uh, critiques. It was him and remember Don Perlin from Don Valiant Perlin. Days. Uh, he was also up there working at Marvel at that time. And uh, they gave me like my first real heartfelt Marvel critiques. I had other ones when I went down at an earlier point in life. And I remember meeting up with an editor who just tore my work apart if he had something positive to say mm. it wasn't much it got buried in the the amount of critiques he did not know how to critique i i left there and i didn't draw for like a month but, I, <laughs> but the, <laughs> the thing is I, after that i went to a bookstore and i said i've got to get better i've got to beat this thing and i bought all these art books on perspective and anatomy and you know, went outside of my comfort zone of comic books and expanded and his his style is Ramita Juniors is one that it's so easily recognized. It's so kind of weird 
and yet perfect at the same time because his characters usually have very long limbs they're very thin they're very like sinewy they're 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 most spider-man in in particular uh very you know fibery his muscles and just like a lot of lines a lot of like scratchy lines and i just love it it just feels so raw and like just kind of like edgy he's sleek enough to do superheroes but he's gritty enough that his style fits a variety of superheroes and i think that's what made his career and shows different sides to a lot of superheroes. His Wolverine is mm-hmm. so special to me. Like the way that he does Wolverine is unlike anybody else's Wolverine. There's there's a rage in his Wolverine that you just don't see in everyone's. It's very very interesting his style. I I, I love his style. It's so good. Those those harsh lines, those like really scratchy lines are so good. And yet when he, he took over the X Men book, I mean it had a completely different feel. Oh yeah, Dan Green inking him. It was a really good combination, and yet I don't think it fit the X Men as well as it could. It was still a very popular book, but I I always find that fascinating, though the relationship between inker and penciler, and how the two could be a perfect marriage, or they could like clash very harshly. Um, Like, what's what's how? Do you have to work with the penciler other than just receiving his stuff and inking over it? Can yeah, you, you, you have free to work for the penciler because you have to see their style and bring it out and sharpen it and still have enough of your own in there. Now with Dan Green, interesting story. Dan Green was an old timer. Um, he was working in comic books back when I think EC days. And um, he would ink and he... This is a quote from him. He inks more of what's on the page, a semblance of what's on the page and not exactly what's on the page. Mm. And therein, I think he changed maybe Ramita Jr. style up just enough that it was not quite his usual thing. And um, the guy that I worked with on the Ray, Howard Porter, he actually went on to a different miniseries called underworld i don't know if you remember that where they had this big cast of dc villains and uh rings of it does ring a bell dan green was the first inker that they hired for that because they thought giving howard a name inker would actually promote his superstar capabilities and um dan green did exactly what dan green does and he inked what he thought thought was a semblance of what was on the page and not the actual artwork yeah so howard was showing me pencils that he would draw a car on next to the the curb on the sidewalk and after dan inked that the car wasn't there he just drew a big bush oh no he's like why am i bothering to draw it if you're not going to ink it (laughs) so i I get like moving like an arm slightly or something but like just eliminating a whole piece of the of the drawing and doing a bush instead (laughs) don't get me wrong dan green was a great inker and he he had like a a very long run in comic books but towards the end especially when you're approaching the whole image era and people that were really wanting to preserve the pencils that they drew and have very dynamic looking art and then an inker comes along and does something like that i think um oh sure yeah i, I think you kind of just dated yourself and put an expiration date like, on your career it's like, come on man like we're doing something else now <laughs> my philosophy um, was always add to but never take away from what's on the page that's probably a good way to go probably a good way to go what's um what's like a really great collaboration with you 
that you're like really proud of a, a, a piece of, of you know a, a graphic novel a run whatever that that you're just like this is this is me where would you point people to um i had various um various styles various things since i did work for the penciler and i worked for the company uh, i ended up getting caught up in the whole image style for a while and it was it was a lot of fun uh, scott williams was one of my favorite inkers but to do everything in that style is also a bit limiting by the time i worked with tom lyle i think i hit my peak but tom was a very strong penciler and no matter what you did you could accentuate what was there but it was still still basically it was it was tom's art he was very cinematic but his use of blacks and shadows and things that an inker might add to to cause you know create depth weren't always there so people looked at my stuff over tom and even though i thought i was doing my best work and uh, tom was a fantastic artist they were like i can't see you in here and I'm like, why can't you see me? You've seen Tom with other anchors, obviously, but they weren't farsighted enough to see what we were doing as a team. Mm. And uh, I think that was painful for both of us. Did how much of that came out? How much of the uh, those issues like came to let you know were published? Um, well, we worked on various Spider-Man projects, and without Tom, I would have never gotten to work on Spider-Man. We did the Punisher for a year, and. Um, there were other little things. We worked on a Star Wars project together. And I was with Tom for five years. And I have to say it was probably the happiest five years I spent in the comic industry just because we got along so well. And he would I'm say, if you got an idea, he would say, if you have an idea and you want to experiment, just go ahead and do it. And he allowed me to broaden my style, broaden my perspective and i think that's what everybody needs is a, is a permission slip to experiment and like i yeah. said in the uh, in the live stream it's about experimenting with as many different techniques as you can and you get better and better that's what it's all about man i, lo I love the collaborative nature of, of creative endeavors like this before i started working on my novel on my work in progress i was working on a graphic novel it's it's been shelved for now we'll get back to it after i'm a better writer but uh we i was basically running a, a, a writer's room with a couple of buddies of mine we came up with the entire story for like a three uh you know graphic novel series and uh it, it fell on me to eventually write the scripts and i i, I for what we want to do I'm not a good enough writer yet to do it. So I had to set it aside and, and become a better writer first. But mm -hmm. when we set out to do it, it's a it's a graphic novel we're going to call Dusk. And the idea is to have a book that belongs on the shelf next to The Dark Knight, uh, uh, Watchmen, and The Sandman. You know what I mean? Like one of the greats. Like we're trying to, we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're going for. So like, that's why I was like, you know what? We have a great idea, but I'm not good enough to write the script yet. I'm going <laughs> to put that aside. Well, it'll give us a good 10 years to find a good artist. In the meantime, let me work on this other thing over here. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do that, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Sometimes you got to become a better writer so you can write that thing. That all goes into who you are, so indeed it does indeed it does um robert was there anything that you maybe wanted to get to in live stream sunday that you didn't um 
Um, I think we covered a lot. Could we expand we did. on we got it? Through a lot. Sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot about um, things that we talked about, author tube and the the trap that people shouldn't fall in. That's sure. that's a pretty large subject and a, a big can of worms because it's I I don't like to point fingers or name names. Um, sure. It's just about I think the bigger tubers, the the bigger people on the platform, I think that some of them, or maybe most of them, don't really have community availability or accessibility. Mm-hmm. And they do their thing and they don't get involved with that, but they don't realize that what they do as the bigger names on the platform or the bigger numbers is they set a precedent for everything else. And that's where a lot of the miscommunication comes from. They yeah, don't really... They're focused on their own communities within their yeah. channel and not so much the rest of AuthorTube as a whole. I, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. The, especially they don't, the really, ones, they don't yeah. really engage. They don't, uh, um, they don't do the things that... I guess they're trying to emulate big famous writers and, you know, we don't have time for that kind of thing. And Sure. No, sweetie, you need to make time for that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's, you know, I, I, it's a good opportunity to, to shout out to uh, Tim Hickson from Hello Future Me, who is, who's going to be a guest on Livestream Sunday. He's on episode nine. Um, I believe it's April 3rd. Uh, this is a, a gentleman with a huge, huge following, a huge subscribership, 886,000 uh I, I think he may have have gone up since the last time I checked, <clears throat> and uh, and I reached out to him about being a guest on my channel with my 230 subscribers, and I'm like, hey, Mister, can you <laughs> do you mind? And, and he was really warm and receptive, and he's like, yeah, man, let's do it. And and I gotta respect the hell out of that because. You know, he's got a, a larger audience than some of the people that we're talking about on Author 2. Yes. And the better I, people that I have met all along the way feel that they need to give something back because who is going to train the yes. next generation of artists and writers? And, you know, you're, you're leaving yourself open for this industry that you love to fall through the cracks. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. And the bigger names that become more selfish, um, or arrogance, I should say, not so much bigger names because there's bigger name people that are extremely nice. Sure. But the ones who are overly arrogant and don't give back, it's like any business or any venture, if you're not giving something back, that again is putting an expiration date on your career because what are they going to judge you by? Mm. You have Mm. to be, it's like when I first got into the comic book industry, they told me something very important and it's almost an unspoken rule you have to be either very good at what you do, very nice, or very reliable. And within that triangle that was hanging on this editor's wall, it said, pick any two. You you don't have to be all three, but you have to be at least two. So if you're a complete jerk, you still have to be very good at what you do or very reliable. Well, and yeah, uh, both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we all know creators that are... You know, not very nice, but we look at their work and say, wow, it's still exceptional. So in spite of, you know, who they are, their work is still inspiring to me. Yeah, that's another one of those things that's, you know, really interesting to struggle with these days with the whole like cancel culture that's going on. And, you know, things come out about people and then it's like, yeah, but 
what about this incredible thing that they did? Like, yeah, they're a horrible person, but look at how awesome this thing is. Like, what do we need to talk about this? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a it's a very fascinating side to society. Um, yeah, man. Uh, with 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 this author tube thing, you know, I, I on on one level I understand it. You know, where these uh, these bigger names and and neither one of us are naming names, but we all know who we're talking about. Uh, the <laughs> these bigger <laughs> names who who are very isolated in their own communities. I I get it. I do. I get it. They've they've built something that is wholly their own. And uh, and they, you know, they, they built it by themselves, seemingly. And, and, and I get it. Like, well, that's nobody yours. does anything completely on your own. You're writing on the that's coattails why, that's of why everyone I said who seemingly. came before you. Yes. <laughs> that's why I said seemingly. Um, I, you know, especially nowadays with, with the way that things are more and more accessible and, and how a lot of us get our start on free platforms, things that, that okay, well, this thing will allow me to use it for free so i'll just use that and we just eventually get better and better as we go they they've built it all their own and i get that and i respect the hell out of it i just wish that they would like you say kind of look around them and kind of give back to to everyone around them and and i mean because like you said nobody's an island man like we all saw the same stuff on author tube when we were coming up and we all like made our own decisions about what we were going to do instead or or what we were going to take from it and and yeah, you gotta give back. You gotta give back, absolutely. And and that's kind. Of, I bring that to the the scheduling of, of live stream Sunday in particular. I try very very hard to um, balance between guests like yourself who have an audience that's larger than my own versus guests who have an audience that is smaller than my own. And I and I have both on the show, and I try to keep that balance because I, I'm not gonna deny that I'm probably gonna get a little bit of a bump from your audience, but other folks are going to get a bump from my audience and i'm just going to mm-hmm. keep it come keep it going you know yeah and it's like i've said before and i'll say it again you have people like lisa daly michelle schusterman we all gather for our live streams every wednesday we have the same really great loyal group but then you have author tube on the whole if i were in that position where i was just starting out I had these people that were it's intimidating. Yeah, very much ex- more experienced, and you know, I'd have a lot of questions, and they just don't. And I can't understand that. Is your yeah. fear so great, or your arrogance so great that you can't break that bubble and say, "Hey, I need help with this." It's like you're admitting that I'm going to let the world see who I am, and I'm not the expert that I pretend to be. And I think that is why even the bigger tubers don't come around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think there's a fear of being spotted or called out, but nobody's trying to nobody's trying to call anybody out. But it's that the the fact that that fear exists in them means that there's probably something that they're trying to. <laughs> trying yeah. To, yeah, you know. Sadly, yes, that that's really what it comes down to. That's my know, feeling if, as well. Yeah, if 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 their conscience was clear, they would come around. Which is why I and and you know I've been following Tim Hicks and his channel for a long time. If he wanted to look me up in his subscribers, he would have to scroll for quite a while to find me. I've mm-hmm. I've been following him for a very very long time. And, uh, and so it was, it was so, uh, what's it called? Like, uh, it was a relief to know that, that, that you can reach out to folks with gigantic, you know, <laughs> followings mm-hmm. and, and they're still going to be receptive. It's not everybody because I've reached out to a lot of people and most of them just, it's silence back silence, dead air yeah. and nothing. So like, 
just keep trying is what i said but if you don't reach, reach out or you out. don't you don't keep ask you don't get and um you know when i was growing up i i always looked maybe because i was a creative person myself that everybody that's out there is just another person they're doing they persevered longer than some and they've managed to break through i mean i've shared emails with people like ed mcbain slash evan hunter and uh you know people who are rock stars in europe simply because i had a question and said hey what about this and they actually came back at me and we chatted for a while most of them are just people yeah, all of them are. Yeah, they're yeah. all just people. Well, maybe some of them aren't. <laughs> lizard people? Are we talking lizard people now? <laughs> well, I saw maybe. the queen in one video. Her eye got really weird. Fucking nice job, Mr. Jones, it has been such a great pleasure to talk to you, man. I, I, I. I can't wait to have you on again. I feel like there's so many more layers to peel back with you. I want to go ahead and uh, and call it a day, but uh, thank you so very much for coming. If you have anything else that you my want pleasure. to everybody at home, uh, give it to them right now. Go ahead. Just keep plugging away. Just keep learning. Um, it's a big universe out there. And take a look at everything within it and how you can apply it to your craft because from nature to the book you passed up on the shelf all has a lesson for you if you observe it as sherlock holmes would say learn to observe the world learn to see it <laughs> and and that that connotates experience on that note i can't think of a better note that's fantastic thank you very much mr jones thank you to everybody at home watching like comment subscribe uh give me five stars on uh, apple Podcasts. you know i deserve it and come back on sunday for live stream sunday with te butcher once again thank you mr robert jones and uh, right on writers we're out Thank you.